You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. My friends, it's so nice when I find a good person. Not that everyone's not a good person that's been on the show, but someone you just gel with and you're like, come back again, genuinely. And they do. So I'm excited to welcome back Leah Weinberg, who is uh, a lovely wedding planner from ColourPop events. She was on episode 316. Oh, so long ago. Not that long ago, really. But uh, we had such a nice time. I wanted to welcome her back and we had so much more to talk about. So this is what we're doing right now. Welcome, lady. Thank you. So excited to be back. Oh, it was really fun sharing time with you last time. And um, as I said, we left the interview going, oh, we didn't say that. There's so much to say. So we just thought we'd say it this time. (laughs) Um, Perfect. This episode, one of the topics we thought would be really nice to uh, delve into a little deeper is looking at things that we should invest in, things we should splurge on and things that we should save on, which I know gets a lot of people confused and panicked, especially when you first start wedding planning and you're like, where do I put all my money? This is a lot of money to be spending. How do I know where to put it? And everyone's throwing invoices and quotes at you and it can be pretty hairy. So I think this is a great a great topic for us to share today. Definitely. Yeah, I love that. I'm super nerdy about the numbers too, so this is like a great topic for me. Well, and, and this is great because I I'm a I'm a an imagery uh picture person and really can be crappy with the numbers. So I think we're a good team. <laughs> now, um Colourpop events, let's remind if people haven't listened to episode 316, well, they're crazy. Don't stop this one. Listen to this and then go, go back. And then go back, yes. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, we don't want to go too crazy. But let's just remind everyone a little bit about you and how we came to be yes. speaking. And and then we'll move on. Yes. <laughs> I am the owner of Colourpop Events. It's a wedding and event planning company based in New York City. Prior to starting my business about, I started the business about four and a half years ago. And prior to that, I was a commercial real estate attorney for a very long time. So um, I have a quite a background in the legal world, which has helped a lot with being a wedding planner. But I now enjoy owning my own business so much more than I ever enjoyed being a lawyer. Yeah. And I loved in our last episode, we did talk, we talked about your previous career and how much that work has influenced your wedding planning in the sense of time management, project management and staying on top of things. And I think, you know, for me, that was just so valuable because I think sometimes, as we said, it can be really hard, especially if you've never planned an event before, which is nearly everyone to then jump in and go, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, there's so much to do. I don't know how to manage it. I'm going crazy. So um, I really recommend people jump back and, and listen because you had lots, lots of really proactive things to help people keep their shit in order, really. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be hard. And that's kind of my goal for all of my couples. I want them to actually enjoy the wedding planning process. Um, and some people just, they're never going to, sure. but I try to make it as stress-free and painless as possible. Tell me just a little bit about when you first meet a couple and you decide that you want to make sweet business together. Um, How do you... <laughs> that was gross. <laughs> So that was. <laughs> I just vomited a little bit in my mouth. Um, when you decide, 
Oh, no. Well, look, this is why we've got you back. Um, When you decide, hey, they like you, you like them, let's do this, how do you start the process? Because I think this is always interesting about kicking off this relationship, but then also trying to figure out what they want to achieve. Is it about money first? Is it about visuals? How does it work? Yeah. Um, well, couples kind of come to me at different points in the process. I prefer doing the full, full blown planning where I'm with them from the very beginning. And with those couples, um, even particularly before they've officially signed on with me, I'm a big believer in like education and being transparent about things. So if I'm chatting with a couple and they're talking about their budget and they want to throw, they want to have a wedding for 250 guests in Brooklyn for $25,000. I have to politely explain to them that that is probably not going to be humanly possible. Um, but yeah, so like there's, we definitely, I, I like to be really upfront with them about money and everything and, and then how it should be budgeted and what they can kind of expect because I, and I haven't run into this because I have these conversations, but my worst nightmare would be like signing on with a couple, then finding out that they have this just teeny, teeny tiny budget and really unrealistic expectations of what they can do with it. So I like to kind of flesh that out at the beginning. And do you think with expectations, and it goes back to that idea that, you, you know, I know when we started planning and this was six years ago, but to say, I had no idea how much a photographer for a wedding would cost. And then, you know, when you, yeah. and, I, and I always sort of say it's hard because your instinct is just to get a lot of quotes, but then they're coming at you all at once and, and you don't really know how to separate what the value of one over yeah. another besides going, oh, I love the, the photography and I think they're really skilled. But then one is saying six grand, another saying 15 and another saying two to figure out how you would then, right. not rate, that sounds wrong, but how would you decide like what is viable for you? Yeah, it's it's really hard. And I was thinking about this before we hopped on because I don't know that I have a, a really wonderful answer to that. Um, because so like, and I get it, if couples aren't working with a planner, then the budget process can kind of be just this huge unknown and, and a total nightmare. Because the question is, how do you find out how much things cost? Um, and the online resources, no, well, I was gonna say no offense to them, but no, a little okay. offense to them, because okay. I don't think they do a good <laughs> job of research. But places like The Knot and Wedding Wire and other blogs and stuff that try to do as oh. like draft, but like give you budget numbers, like percentages and stuff. None of that is really particularly yeah. accurate. So it is a like a real challenge for couples to kind of figure out what things cost and how to differentiate. I mean, I do think doing research, talking to friends that have been married, um, if you have other sources of reliable information, um, getting quotes can definitely help. And I think sometimes it's a necessary evil because it does tend to overwhelm the couples, but otherwise they just don't really have any concrete information to try to budget with. I agree with you about, and I would almost call it misinformation because, you know, and I've said this a million times on the show, I'll just say it briefly, that I think these surveys that come out and then they put the the average industry, you know, people spend 50 grand or 40 grand or 10 or whatever, mm -hmm. that it's really hard because as you've just said, in Brooklyn, obviously it's in a built up inner city area that's trendy. It's You're going to pay more than getting married in Kentucky or somewhere. I don't know why I picked Kentucky. 
But I don't know much about Kentucky. But the idea that it's very hard to, you know, and I'd say from my knowledge of Australia, you know, getting married in Sydney compared to getting married in in a rural location or outside in the suburbs, you're going to pay a lot less for things. So I find these listings or these, these surveys that come out and then make people think like they normalize these figures, but also yeah. for, for, for the client, it's really hard because you're like, oh, so I have to spend 50,000, you know, so then they get into the mindset that that's okay, even if they can't afford it. But from a vendor's perspective, I hear the same feedback that you just said, that it's really hard with people saying, yeah, yeah but my package is 5,000 because I do the, 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 and I supply to this clientele in this neighborhood. And yeah, if I lived out in the sticks, it probably would be less, but my overheads are this or whatever. So I think it's a real disservice to, to the vendors and also for couples to then feel hoodwinked into, is hoodwinked the right word? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I've just, it feels, <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> into, into one figure and, and it's complicated. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is that almost all of these different vendors come at different price points. So, you know, there are photographers in New York City that maybe charge $2,000. It's probably because they're just starting Mm -hmm. out or, you know, maybe it's a side job and it's not their full income. And so they're just trying to get clients. Um, And then, you know, you've got photographers here that are $10,000 and up. So, there are everybody's, I mean, like you can kind of find all of these vendors at different price points. Um, the thing that I tell couples and, and with my couples when we're doing the budget process is I figure out what's important yep. to them and then that we allocate money more towards yep. those things. So if I have a couple and they're foodies and they really want amazing wedding food, but don't care so much about like DJ versus band, then I'm going to get them a DJ and we're going to have amazing food. Um, if they want an amazing photographer, but don't care so much about the food that I'm, we're going to put more money into that pot. So that's good. And I think the priorities obviously start from as soon as you decide you're going to get married and want to plan a wedding. And then I have a, some lists of questions in the Bridehiller Survival Guide and just saying, you know, just it's literally sit down with a glass of wine or straight vodka or whatever you want and have a discussion with your partner about what your expectations are of the event. What are your non-negotiables? And, exactly. and to me, that's such a simple conversation that a lot of people miss. And then you're yeah. like, oh, but I really wanted the band. And they're like, we've got no money for the band because you spend it all on something else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would also say, and as as sort of uncomfortable as this might be, and it might be opening Pandora's box, but couples should also have those conversations with yeah, parents, totally. potentially, because you you want to find out sooner rather than later what your parent is, particularly if family or at somebody's helping contribute to pay for the wedding, you want to find out early on what their expectations are so that you can adjust accordingly. Because you might be surprised yeah. with weird things that like are super important and, to people. And that's another thing I think, yeah, that conversation. If you know that your mum is obsessed with buying the wedding dress and that's where their money is going to go, great. That's the ticket off the list. You get mm-hmm. the wedding dress yeah. and move on and spend yeah. your money, your money elsewhere. Yeah, it seems like a simple solution. But then if you don't have the discussion, you're never going to know. Hard. So let's yeah. – yeah, you got to yeah, talk about it. Yeah, you it. do. And I mean, so many, I've been writing uh, another book because that's all I have to do with my life is create new things. <laughs> I'm a fucking moron that I am. <laughs> but I was 
writing, it's a made chiller manual and I was writing about talking about uh-huh. money and it's, it's, it's an idea for a small book that you can gift to your bridal party to say, here's some ideas about what being a bride chiller means. Here's the ethos of what I'm trying to follow. Mm-hmm. But I was sort of thinking about money and, you know, we're really conditioned to not talk about money in any facets of our lives. You know, we're not going around saying, this is how much money I earn or we pay, you know, some people do, but they're douchebags. But the, right. <laughs> but also, you know, the, the sometimes there's, you know, in a community environment, you can feel shame because you're not making as much money as your friends and whatever. But it's really hard when it comes to then breaking that sort of conditioning and then talking about money in a business sense, like, you know, coming to a planner and saying, we've got 30 grand. How do we make this work? Or we've got five. How do you, you know, you have to talk about that stuff. So it can sometimes be hard to break mm-hmm. the, that idea that you shouldn't be talking about money or it shouldn't be a thing when it's a really big thing. Yeah, it is a really big thing. And I, and I get it. It's uncomfortable. I mean, you know, we don't always like having these conversations, but I'm just such a big proponent of open communication throughout the whole wedding planning process, because if you don't talk about it, then things don't get said and you might be holding things in and you can just as uncomfortable as some conversations are, you're going to save yourself a ton of stress down the road by having totally. those conversations early. And I mean, I mean, I'm sure you've been in the situation where couples have um, changed their mind or realized things are much more expensive than they were expecting and have to compromise, I suppose, or at least adjust their expectations of what they can get for what they've got. Yeah, definitely. Um you know, and that's, and, and we may, and we, and you figure it out, you know, like it happens, things change, priorities change, money supply changes, you know, things happen in life. And so you just kind of got to deal with it. And sometimes, uh, it ha- goes in the other direction where sometimes couples magically oh, find additional money for things. Um, I know it's just wonderful. I wish yeah, that I mean, happened to me more. Often. I want to know who they know. <laughs> as long as it's not some sort of dodgy yeah. loan shark or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, okay. So look, let's look at value versus, uh, like you sort of said, splurge versus save. What are some of the areas with your knowledge and background that you think people overinvest in or potentially could underspend in and, and probably just be fine with? I think, um, well, this is, this may be controversial to some people listening, but in terms of entertainment, like yeah. DJ versus band, I, I'm team DJ. I, I don't love wedding bands for a whole host of reasons. Um, also they are just outrageously Mm -hmm. expensive. Um, and I just, and if couples are on a budget or trying to like save in certain areas, when they tell me that a band is like their deal breaker, I just, you know, sigh internally. Um, so I think like you can here in New York City, you can get a really amazing DJ for less than $2,000. Starting prices for good bands are probably like $10,000, I mean, it's like a $10,000 difference. I had no idea that uh, expensive. Yeah. I mean, you could, yeah, they're, it's so outrageously expensive. Um, so personally, I think like being, you know, being mindful with entertainment and, and thinking about like, do you really have to have a band if you can save that money? Um, I think decor also is a place that 
money potentially can be saved. Um, I think one of the things I want to work on soon is a, a blog post with some florists about the cost of flowers, because I feel like with my couples, that's always the biggest sticker shock item. Like they just don't know how much flowers cost and don't understand yeah. why it's so expensive. And, but you can't, but you need some level of decor. So I kind of just wish it was a little more, like there was more public knowledge about why it's so expensive. Um, I th- well, look, I think some people come into the idea that they want flowers everywhere and then they go, oh my God, it's worth more than my car. Right. And why is that? Is it, is it the, is it using flowers that are out of season or is it just florists? It's just expensive to import them or is it a mixture yeah. of a bunch of things? It's, I think it's a mixture of a bunch of things. Um, the product itself can be very expensive. Um, mm. I mean, like just a single stem, like peony or ranunculus, I think are like, five or $10 per single stem of flower. And it's yikes. And in order to create what florists create, they have to buy a lot of product. It's not, not every single thing that they buy is going to get used, but they have to have options. And for example, like if some of the flowers don't hold up right or don't look good, they substitute them out. So like they're having to buy more than what they need. And mm-hmm. there's also like staffing, like labor concerns with florists in terms of setup and breakdown and having to have like, good solid teams in place to actually do the work. And then of course they want to like be able to feed themselves and pay their rent or their mortgage. So they've got to charge, like they've got to have some profit for themselves within that. So it just really gets expensive. And I know that for like florists and designers who are starting out, that's kind of actually making money as one of the biggest challenges for them. I'm all for supporting creatives and I think sometimes it's very hard for people to then have to go back and say, well, exactly what you're saying. If I don't charge this, I can't pay my mortgage and no one wants to hear that shit, but it's actually true. Yeah. I always say, you know, with talking to creative freelancers and people that are hustling and running their own business that we would never question how much our accountant costs us or how much our, you know, quote unquote professional Mm -hmm. costs, but yet people are so um, ready to chip away at at creative people and not to say, obviously you can find a florist um, that would, you know, you'll find a florist that will work with your price range, but it might not be the ones that did the Kim Kanye flower wall. It's just how it is. My God, that was expensive. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that was gross. Grotesque. What a great word. Yeah, no, I have a planner friend of mine who um, I think it was her dentist that needed a wedding planner for their wedding. And we're talking with her about pricing and she told them the price and they were like, you know, is there, do you have any flexibility? Could you do it for this? And she like, not to them, but jokingly to me was like, yeah, so next time I come in for a cleaning, am I going to act like, I'm not going to ask you for $200 off the next time I come in. Like, you would never ask a dentist for a no. discount like that because that's what they cost. It's crazy. Oh, where do people get the balls? It's crazy. I, I actually would really struggle uh, to do that, I think. Yeah. It's just not my scene, man. It's just not my scene. Um, so photography is obviously something that's one of the the larger investments when it comes to weddings. And mm-hmm. there's been a lot of discussion in the Bride Chiller podcast, actually quite heated discussions that have happened recently about – choosing quote-unquote cheaper photographers it's really hard when it comes to looking at someone's work and deciding the cost of that work when it's a 
you're an artist, isn't it? Like it's, yeah, it's really challenging. It's, it is. And, and so much sometimes pricing is dependent like upon years of experience and then like a prestige factor. I mean, I, there's like lots of, you know, tens of thousands of dollar photographers here in New York city. And there's like photographers who charge maybe 5,000 that I think honestly do better work than these more expensive people, but the expensive people, like they're just, they're a celebrity, like they have celebrity status and they can kind of having their name attached to your wedding adds some kind of, I guess, intangible value for the couples too. So yeah, it's really tricky. It's hard. It's really hard to sort. It's again, going back to it, like it's really hard to sort through all of this. I totally get it. And when it comes to things like um, venues and all inclusives, do you work with anyone in your area for all inclusives? Like, do you come and work with venues specifically that provide those sort of services at all? Yes, a couple, some of the places that I work with do handle everything in-house. And I always tell, like, when couples come to me, you know, even if it doesn't work out um, and they're maybe on a tighter budget, I will always kind of mention to them that going with a venue that has, that can do food, alcohol, staffing, and rentals, and everything in-house is going to save you money as opposed to having to work in a raw space where you're bringing all of that in. I think sometimes the all-inclusive gets a bit of a bad name and I totally disagree with it because as you said I think it can be a fantastic way to save money and also get married and so we're really stylish and wonderful it doesn't have to just be a motel yeah there's places exactly there are some places that are super cool around here that do everything in-house um and so it's not like I think yeah you're right I think people kind of assume like hotel ballroom you know bad carpet kind of thing but it is not the case Uh (laughs) Trump Tower fire sale right now. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you, I I know I was going to say, tell me a bit about how you work with day, like venue coordinators. Because often people are like, no, 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 my place has got a venue coordinator. I don't need a planner or coordinator. And I think this is potentially, again, misinformation when it comes to what they're willing to do for you. Definitely. Can you, can you talk a little bit about the differences and why people should potentially consider actually having a planner on top of that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the, for the most part, um, you know, honestly, like if every venue has like a day of person, they have somebody from the venue who is physically present the day of. So it kind of depends and they will have various duties. Um, but there is, there's this idea of the venue coordinator. And so many times couples have said, well, we have a venue coordinator, so we're not sure if we need your help, but the venue coordinator, their number one is always going to be the venue and making sure that the venue doesn't get burned down (laughs) and like running their staff and everything. And sometimes they do have like an attendant that stays with a couple and make sure they get fed and is there to give them drinks and stuff. Um, to my knowledge, venue coordinators are not going to, for example, create your hair and makeup schedule with you or work with your photographer on the photography mm-hmm. schedule or help you like research pricing for different vendors and stuff like that. Like they have a pretty limited role. And I will say some places have coordinators that are more hands-on on on the day of than others. But 
the value of a planner is in those days. I mean, obviously it's about executing on the day of and making sure things go smoothly, but the value of a planner is having a professional and their knowledge and help and guidance for months before the actual wedding. So it's like, I don't really, I don't buy that argument. And then in terms of how, and my, from my experience, like there, I always am very careful when there are very active in-house coordinators because sometimes they get very territorial um, and don't, don't, like there's places that flat out say you can't hire an outside planner. There are some places that suggest that you do not. Um, And then there are some that don't have an official policy, but still are like, just really territorial about it and won't let you do anything. So my approach after having learned the hard way, my approach now is kind of like to feel out the situation and see how they prefer to handle it. And if a venue just wants to like run the show, then in that case, I kind of tell the couple like, Hey, they're going to be running things. I'm going to be here the entire time, keeping an eye on things. Like if anything happens, I will step in, but just for the sake of like keeping the peace, I need to let them like, take this and run with it and as you said you'll be there to be able to problem solve or be the shoulder or the timeline person making sure it all works but if they've got the power well good luck to them but you know surely it'd be great just to have you on board as well because they have to do less work yeah exactly yeah there's yeah there's a whole explaining the value of a wedding plan like fortunately i will say a lot of my couples that come to me now they know the about they know why they need a planner and they know that they need one and it's so it's not me having to sell my services so much but there's still definitely some mystery around what wedding planners actually i do. hope that over the past 300 or so episodes that i have certainly been team planner and you know i'm one of those people that really wishes when we had gotten hitched, we'd invested in a planner or coordinator, not because I didn't think we had a great day, but I just felt I would have felt less stressed and worried that I'd forgotten something Mm -hmm. or things weren't going to, if something had gone wrong, one of us would have had to step up and make it, you know, not wrong. And we were just blessed on the day to have a caterer that just actually was really not that present in the lead up. And we were like, oh, fuck, are these people going to show up? I don't know. And then uh, <laughs> they showed up and went, like they exceeded our expectations for everything, which was great. And uh-huh. we both, Rich and I just said the day after, was like, oh, my God, imagine if they weren't as amazing as they were. We probably wouldn't have pulled this thing off like it was. But, you know, I, I think for the peace of mind and yeah. also you bring planners and coordinators bring so much extra love and attention to a day that you're investing so much in both emotionally and, and physically. I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're also able to, to like help kind of uh, deflect some of any nervousness or stress or anxiety of like family members or friends. Like I hear from a lot of parents that once they meet me, they feel so much better and they have somebody to ask their questions to and they're stopping, like they're not hounding the couple anymore. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's so much that we do and so much even behind the scenes that couples will honestly yep. never even know that we did. Um, and yet here we are. I did want to say, I love, I saw that you posted your oh, wedding yeah. link to your wedding photos. <laughs> I think last week those were so cute. I love I love looking through those. Oh, thank you. It's so funny. My friend Margie is helping me do some. Um, she's a, a marketing and comms person, helping me do some outreach for the books. And she's like, Alicia, I understand you're doing all this wedding stuff, and you've got got nothing about your own wedding on the podcast anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 
are. But you know, sometimes it takes someone to point out the most obvious thing. And then I was like, do you mm. think people will care? And she's like, of course they will. You talk about weddings all the time. They're going to want to see your yeah. wedding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, it was, it was a lovely day. I would like to plan 50 more weddings. I don't know if Rich should be on board, but I'm always up for a new wedding. <laughs> We should come come to Brooklyn and get remarried with Colourpop. Yes, yes. I would like to have a Seinfeld wedding. So if we could go to Tom's and <laughs> you could help plan that, that'd be great. That would be amazing. I've got it all planned. Well, I haven't got it planned, but I've got ideas. I've got a lot of ideas. <laughs> it's an old show that I'm very passionate about and I believe it. And I would arrive in a Jerry Porsche and uh, Richard would wear a puffy, puffy shirt. I'd probably dress as Elaine. It would be novelty, oh, yeah. but it would be fun. Chocolate Babka. One of my grooms, speaking of puffy shirts, one of my grooms, his sister had a Victorian-themed wedding. Oh. And made the wedding party dress up, and he was in a puffy oh, shirt no. for his sister's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and how did he find the puffy? I don't think Rich would ever wear the puffy shirt, by the way. Did he enjoy the, the freedom of wearing a puffy shirt or was it I nightmare? do not think so. No, no, <laughs> not at all. And like the high-waisted trousers and stuff, oh. I don't think he was happy whatsoever. Uh, the high-waisted trousers with a big testicle separation in the middle, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> good times. I mean, look, I love seeing a themed wedding. I mean, I... Another thing is themed weddings can be really fun if you if you put the heart and soul into it. I know I know they're not everyone's yeah. bag, but we've got lots of members of the community that you know have added even just down to doing table numbers or just you know it's, you don't have to go full costume and you know, regalia, but yeah. you can add really nice touches of your passions into weddings that you know can be very subtle but very cool. Yeah. A friend of mine's a videographer and one of her couples, um, did a beauty and the beast themed wedding. And I can't, the groom works at Pixar. I can't remember what the bride did, but it was so just so adorable and fun and like really well, just really well done. Like not over the top and cheesy, just like it was, it was really cute. That's nice. And look at that connection. I mean, Mm -hmm. you work at Pixar, you got the skills, Mm -hmm. you got the connections. Yep. And I genuinely want to come and organize a wedding with you. Okay. <laughs> Anytime. I don't know if I've got $10,000 to pay for a band, though. <laughs> I won't let you. Ten I won't grand. let you spend that money on a band. Can I just say as well, just, just our DJ, Andrew, and I've seen so many people say this, you find a good DJ and also you, they don't have to talk. You don't have to have them MC no, your wedding. right. Yeah. Just people that are good at what they do. It's just an investment and no one's going to really care if it's not, they're not like up there with guitars and a drum kit. Who gives a shit? Yeah. My, my thing with bands, and this is what I tell my couples, um, cause I am big into music and worked in the music industry for, uh, like unofficially for a long time. And the problem with bands is their repertoire has to be so large. Oh. They have to be able to play so many different songs, yeah. but not every vocalist is made to handle those songs. No. Like not every female vocalist can do Whitney Houston. Oh, I know. And when they don't do it well, it's kind of excruciating. And so like, I just want to hear the real version of it. I don't want to hear a cover version of it of somebody who can't quite do it as well as the original. Just play. So that's, just for the that's why I'm all for the DJs. Play Whitney and just do it properly. But also if, I was going to say, also, if I have to hear I Want to Dance with Somebody One More Time, I might go crazy. 
<laughs> oh, R.I.P. Whitney. We loved you. My last point about <laughs> bands are that they're not all good, by the way, as you've just said. And we went to one wedding, which yeah. I will never say where, but we saw <laughs> the band setting up. And this was a weird wedding, I'll be honest. Not judging, but we had different expectations, very different. And we saw the band and we're like, okay, well, I'm ready to dance. I was just in the mood. I'd had a couple of wines. And they changed all the time signatures for all of the songs. So it was real. I don't know if it was their thing and they were trying to go, we are a cover band, but we can't cope with it. So we want to add our own touch, but they slowed things down. And I remember Brown Eyed Girl came on and that's not a fast song anyway. (laughs) Like, you know, it's not a fast song. Van Morrison, fantastic. Bit of seventies. And it was half time brown eyed girl and then you couldn't even sway to that fucker and i remember standing there going listen i'd need another 10 wines to enjoy this and (laughs) it was painful and i felt so bad for the couple because they'd obviously hired this band thinking the dance floor would be full and i was literally wanting to clap along to go come on guys let's speed this up (laughs) (laughs) but they just didn't and i was so sad oh that's too bad and that makes me sound like an asshole but just don't cover bands are for covers. They're for just doing, you know, don't, you don't need to rewrite anything. Just play the fucking music and don't do yeah. Whitney Houston. Exactly. Unless you can see Whitney Houston. Yeah. Get the DJ. Oi. Right. I've had my rant. It's time to go, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Now, people, was it another exciting adventure for you being on this podcast? Yes. This was amazing. I just want to talk to you every oh, day. We can arrange that. <laughs> I feel like you should definitely become a regular on this show. Maybe let, let's record. I'm always like now I'm just going to hook you in. You'll never leave. It's the Hotel California of Bride Chiller podcast. <laughs> you can never leave. Play that one. <laughs> Colourpopevents.com is where you can get all the goodness. And yes. I would like to invite you back to co-host a Q&A if you will be daring enough to return. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Anytime. Absolutely anytime. That would make my day. It would absolutely make my day. Let's book that in. If you have a wedding yes. planning specific question, Philia, we would like to uh, invite you to leave a voice message. All you need to do is visit thebridechiller.com and then press contact Alicia and you can either email me just talking to your phone, like just record it like a voice message, email it to me or use the device via the internet. That will make sense when you visit the page. Sounded a little weird, but I promise it makes sense. (laughs) There's just a recorder that you can record off your computer, but I think it's easier to talk into the phone personally, but that's just my choice. Um, So Colourpop events is where people can contact you. Anything else you'd like to plug lady um no i think that that covers it yep i'm at Colourpop events oh, on yes. all social media so come find me so and no shit but color pop you like a bit of colorful popular stuff it's gorgeous and your instagram is dreamy thank you thank you thank you all right well until next time my lovely friends and my lovely guest happy days here are some things you will not read in the bride chiller survival guide i'm not touting that you must follow all traditions blindly I'm not telling you how to plan a perfect day because that doesn't exist. I'm also not promising that wedding planning will be easy all the time or that you will enjoy it all the time because that would be a lie. 
The Bridechiller Survival Guide is bullshit free. It tells it like it is. It's straightforward. Can I use any more descriptions of the same thing over and over again? It's the book that I wanted to read when we were getting hitched, and I'm so proud to be sharing it with you. To purchase your very own copy, visit bridechillerstore.com. And if you know someone that's getting hitched, it's a fantastic engagement gift. Might I just add, upselling. Basically, the Bridechiller Home Shopping Network. Bridechillerstore.com. Happy days. The Bridechiller Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day.